This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, especially if you may be watching the telecast for the very first time. We appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air. And today we want to discuss a subject that should be of interest to us all. Uh, I've entitled it, Shocked at the Judgment. Shocked at the Judgment. There are a lot of things in life that shock us, but this might be the greatest shock of all to some people. Now today on our telecast, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course that We've been mentioning now for some time, we have thousands of people all over the world who are studying this course, and we have people who are telling us this is one of the finest things they've ever done for themselves for, so far as the enhancement of their spiritual life. We want you to have the course, and may I again say, this course is free. It's free. In order that you might know more about the course, and that you might know how to receive the course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the seventh chapter of Matthew, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devil, demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. There have been a lot of great days in the history of the world. It was a great day when God put the sun and the moon and the stars in their places in the heavens. It was a great day when God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and that first man became a living soul. It was a great day when, when God came down upon Mount Sinai and, and he gave the, the first written law to mankind, gave the Ten Commandments. It was a great day when the angels announced the birth of Jesus, saying, Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. It was a great day when Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary. In so doing, 
He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And it was a great day when Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. There have been many great days, but the greatest day of all will be when Jesus Christ comes again. This day has, is referred to in the Bible in different ways. For example, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, it is called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In uh, Matthew chapter 11, and verses 20 to 24, this day is referred to as the day of judgment. It will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for some people than it will be for other people. This is called the judgment of the great day in the sixth verse of the book of Jude. It is also referred to as the last day. In uh, John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. But it is also called that day. Many will say unto me in that day, Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. In 2 Timothy 1 and 12, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That day. So it is a, a great day. It is the last day. It is the judgment day. It is... Just that day. There are going to many, be many people who will be shocked on that day. For example, there will be shocked people when, when they learn there is such a day. There were people during Peter's time who did not think that the Lord would ever come and that there would ever be such a day. They were saying, where is the promise of his coming? But since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as there were. So it's not unusual in our time for people to think that there will not be such a day. And then when that day occurs, they're going to be shocked. But that day is certain. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 reads, and as it is appointed unto a man once to die, after this, the judgment. When Paul was preaching to the Athenians, in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, he said, He hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. There's an appointed day in which God will judge men in righteousness. 
In Romans chapter 14 and 12, we're told that so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. There will be people shocked there is such a day. Now we do not have the knowledge, the information of when that day is going to occur. In Matthew 24 and 36, Jesus said of that day and hour, knoweth no man. And there is no man alive today who knows when that time is going to occur. So we do not know when that day is going to be. Yes, many are going to be shocked on that day. Some are going to be shocked that some people are lost. Now, there are many people who think that they will not be lost. As a matter of fact, I suppose the majority of people, if you were to ask them, do you think that you would finally be lost in the after a while? They would say no. But the fact remains, somebody will be lost. The fact is, more will be lost than will be saved. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. More people choose that path, that road, that highway that leads to eternal ruin. They more choose that than they do the road that leads to eternal bliss. I realize today that it is not very fashionable for a preacher to talk about hell. There's not much preaching done about that anymore. I suppose one way to put it, that it's not politically correct to talk about hell in the 21st century. And one reason men do not want to hear sermons about it is because it it reminds them of an eternal reality and that there is such a place. Hell is real. Whether preachers preach on it or not doesn't change its reality. Whether we believe in it or not does not change its reality. The loving Son of God said hell is real. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, Fear not him, who is able to destroy the body, but hath no power over the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. Hell is real. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, Christ said, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Yes, some people will be lost. And at the judgment, some people are going to be shocked over that. Shocked that some are lost. Some are going to be shocked that religious people can be lost. Go back to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 where Jesus said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now notice verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, 
Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? But then he will declare to them, I never knew you. So some religious people will be shocked to find out on that day that they're lost. Je Jesus Christ did not come into the world to make people religious. Men were already religious. Man is incurably religious. Man is going to worship something. It may be the sun, the moon, or the stars, but he's going to worship something. And there is only one God that we ought to worship. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And so Jesus did not come to make people religious. They were already religious. Jesus came to make people right. Saul of Tarsus was a religious man. He was exceedingly zealous of the traditions of the fathers. But even though he was religious, he wasn't right. Later, he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. So he said, I was a religious man. I thought I was doing God a favor by persecuting Christians. But he said, I thought I was doing right, but I was wrong, but I obtained mercy. I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Listen to him in verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now again, I say that Jesus did not come to make people religious. They were already religious. He came to make people right with God. Some people are going to be shocked to find out it is not enough just to be religious. We must be right. You see, men must follow God's divine standard of truth. Now, there may be ways that seem right to us, but the end result of that way that seems right can be the way of death. That's found in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You see, the standard by which we direct our steps is not our conscience. Your conscience can deceive you. And the standard by which we order our lives are not the opinions and the dictates of men. And that by which we govern our lives is not the consensus of the majority. Some people reason like this, well, you know, if everybody's doing it, 
it must be right. But, but, but you see, that's not the standard of divine truth. And we do not use the standard that is set by culture that is around us. Certain things may be culturally accepted, but that does not mean that they are sufficient to guide us and to direct us and instruct us in matters that pertain to our souls. And the doctrines that men have written, neither is the standard by which we are to direct our lives. It is God's Word, and God's Word alone that is a sufficient standard or a sufficient guide for our lives. That's why we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, these words, in the last two verses of that chapter, all Scripture, all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, everything I need to know, religiously speaking, everything I need to know that pertains to, to my salvation, and my happiness in the world to come has been revealed in the Bible. It's in the Bible. In 1 Peter 4 and 11, Peter said, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, not as the teachings and the ideas of men, but if a man speaks, let him just tell me what God says. Isn't that what you want to hear? Don't you want to hear what God says. In 2 John verse 9, that there the Bible says, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. But listen to this part of it. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Yes, some are going to be shocked that some religious people are lost because... They did not follow the teachings of the Word of God. Some are going to be shocked that good works cannot replace obedience. And some might even try to argue their case. Listen again to it. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Cast out de demons in your name? done many wonders in your name. And so they tried to argue their case. They said, look at all these things we've done, Lord. But you see, man must obey the complete will of God. He must. As a language of 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 declares that to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Revelation twenty two fourteen reads, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life, and enter in through the gates into the city. Jesus' attitude toward his Father was, Not my will, but thine be done. You see, there isn't anything 
that I can do that will ever take the place of obeying God. Shocked at the judgment because they think that good works will take the place of obedience to God. I have an idea some are going to be shocked at the judgment that God never knew them. Well, they thought he did. But, but here in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23, Jesus said, I will tell them, I will declare to them, I never knew you. They thought he did. They called him Lord, Lord. And they thought the Lord knew them, but they had been deceived. And it is so sad for people to be deceived. No doubt there are people that think the Lord knows them. They think they're in a right relationship with Him. But, but they never have really fully searched the Scriptures to see what God would have them to do that they might be pleasing to Him. And so they're going to be shocked to find out God never knew them. God knows those that know Him. He knows those that know Him. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, Hereby we do know we know Him if we keep His commandments. Shocked at the judgment. Shocked because God never knew them. And some people are going to be shocked at the judgment because of God's evaluation. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23, they are called those that practice lawlessness or workers of iniquity. You know, if you were to be asked, how would you categorize yourself or evaluate yourself in the sight of God? I I doubt seriously there are very many people who would say, well, I think in God's sight I'm a worker of iniquity. Uh, or I think in God's sight that I'm a person who is a practitioner of lawless things. You see, I don't think many people consider ourselves like that. But God and man do not think alike. Isaiah reminds us in the 55th chapter of Isaiah, verses 8 and 9, that God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and God's ways are not our ways, that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways and my ways, and His thoughts and my thoughts. You see, God operates in a on a completely different plane than does man. And so we don't think alike. And God's evaluation of things may not be our evaluation of things. Sometimes we evaluate things based on what we can see in, in, around us or what we might see in our own lives. But God looks beyond the external to the internal. In 1 Samuel 16 and 7, we're told that man looks at the outward appearance, but that God looks at the heart. God's looking at your heart. He looks at my heart. And that's how God makes his evaluation. So some are going to be shocked at God's evaluation on that day. And no doubt there'll be those shocked at the verdict. The verdict. Here's the verdict. 
depart from me. I think those are some of the saddest words that one could ever hear. Depart from me. But you see, it need not be like that. We, we need not be shocked at the judgment. If we'll just lay everything aside, if we lay our pride aside, our foolish ways, our waywardness, and if we will merely yield to the Lord by obedience to the gospel, on that day, we will hear him say, Come unto me. Are you a Christian? Are you ready for the judgment day to come? If you're not a Christian, let me encourage you to become one. You say, well, Brother Lambert, how does one become a Christian? Well, you can become a Christian by believing in Jesus. You have to believe in Christ. You cannot be a Christian and be an unbeliever. And, and the Bible teaches that unless we believe in Christ, we will die in our sins, John 8, 24. Not only must we believe, we must be willing to repent of our sins. The Bible teaches in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, unless we repent of our sins, we're going to perish in our sins. And the Bible teaches that we must also be willing to confess our faith in Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, if we're to confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. It's not enough to believe to have that mental assent. We must be willing to tell people about it. I believe. And then we're to be baptized into Christ as a penitent believer. And we're baptized not because there's any power or magic in the water, but because there's power in the blood of Christ. Romans 6, 3 and 4 tells us that we're baptized into His death. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. And then we arise to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6 and verse 4. If you've never done that, let me encourage you to do it today so that you'd be prepared for the judgment and so that on that day there will be no shock for you at the judgment. I want to thank you for listening. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.